did you kill her with this axe? And he runs over and she's like, ah, freaking out. And oh everyone's just like, holy shit. I need to be with you. What about your wife? You met her. She's dumb, demanding, totally self-centered. I mean, she's awful. Awfully pregnant. Welcome, guys, to Talk Mutter to Me, your favorite true crime comedy podcast starring John, Nicole, and myself, Jen. So they're Desperate Housewives, then did the Real Housewives show come out after that? Um, I don't, I don't, I might have come out after, but I don't think it was related to that show. It's like no. two completely different concepts. Correct. One is reality TV. Yes. Bad reality TV. Guilty pleasure bad reality TV. Yeah. There was like one time where some of my friends in high school were really obsessed with it, and um, I maybe watched like the Real Housewives wise of new york city for like one season mm-hmm. um but that was about it um i've never really indulged i may have seen like one or two episodes here and there like because it was on in the background but i've never actually sat down like like yeah. if you ask me like the names i can maybe give you like two well so tonight we are drinking the desperate housewife let's see a little set here it looks weird in our fancy martini glasses Mm. Ugh, I don't like it. I like it. I kind of like it. It's pretty strong. Yeah. But it was actually even stronger, but I added some more juice to it. So it's um, rum, Cointreau, pomegranate juice, lime juice, and a cherry. What is Cointreau? Because I had to buy that today. Orange liqueur. Shit was 30 bucks. We could have probably gotten away with the triple sec. Yeah. But that's all right. Say lobby. Say you will, say you mm-hmm. won't, say you do what I don't, say you say you to me, say la All right. Well, Johnny, ready for our favorite segment? Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Cheers. Cranberry vodka. No, cranberry something. It's cranberry. Cherry vodka. Jen's right. Cranberry vodka. That was delish. I liked it. Deep Eddie's cranberry vodka made in Austin, Texas. Guys, I was right about something. That Nailed never it. happens. Every now and then. Distilled I mean, 10 times and we, it's gluten free. We did both guess the vampire um, episode. Kind of. No, you guessed it. Jen did not guess well, it. I said, Jen did say that there was going to be blood and guts everywhere. I mean, there's blood and guts in every episode. Yeah, but not strewn across a room. If I if there was a winner, it'd have to be Nicole. Well, obviously. Thank you. Thank you. you getting white girl wasted on your desperate housewife martini for a mom? You know what this drink reminds me of? What? Harley Simon's song, You're So Vain. How does the drink remind you of that? Because look at it. Clouds in my coffee. Yeah. Okay. All right. It really reminds me of a cosmopolitan, but with rum Clouds in my coffee, clouds it's in my better. coffee, and you're so vain. It's like a martini, but with rum instead of vodka. you think this song is about you. You're so vain. I'll bet you think this song is about you. Don't you, don't you. Reminds me of uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days every time I hear this song. All right, where, I had some dreams where are we going? Come on, Nicole. New Jersey. You got to answer the three questions. New Jersey. Okay, New Jersey. Same time, 
Stay no. our place, location, time, murder count. Okay, New Jersey, 2014. And what was the last one? What happened? Um, I think a lonely housewife in New Jersey um, is really, I don't know. I don't know what she is. She's not lonely. I don't know. But she is vindictive because she catches her husband cheating on her. And she murders him. Murders him or the the girl that's Ooh, cheating on him? Oh, um, him, possibly both. At least him. At least the husband. I had to guess. I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction. All right. All right. Utah, 2005. A Mormon coven of women are so depressed oh, shit. that nice. they decide to murder the man of the house. Like sister wives? Yeah. You're going with a sister wife story? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. I don't know what that is. How Mormons have like multiple wives? Oh. Oh, you do Mormons. And he's like torturing them and like. Finally, someone's like, this is enough, and they kill him. We used to Mormons, be obsessed no, with that like, show in, in, in college, Sister they Wives. They like the one husband. Yeah, they do, but like his, he's so I've never abusive seen, that... Like, that never happened, has it? Yeah. Also, oh, he's abusive, yeah. You know, I had some Mormon friends in the Army, I'm telling you. Mormons are the nicest people really you'll are. ever meet. You guys should have come with me to Book of Mormon last year. You would have loved it. You need to read the book Educated. It's about a Mormon girl and like her family. It it's kind of, it reminds you of um Glass Castle. All right, let me ask you something. What the fuck? Right? This guy was on a damn bus? What the oh, hell is that shit all oh about? Oh my god, that was a fucking crazy story. We're talking about a Patreon story. It was I I okay. was literally cringing when I read it. The Hang first on. Time. Oh my Picture, god! Picture the guy from Gangnam Style. Sai. Yeah, Sai. Sai. It's his name, Sai. Fucking shoot someone on a. Uh-uh. No, he didn't shoot someone. You got it wrong. Jen, tell him what happened. This crazy ass story. Oh, is he stabbed him. He was traveling from one part of Canada to another part of Canada, and then. He went out to have a cigarette, and he came back on the bus and went to the back row. He wasn't sitting in the back initially. He was sitting in the front. And he went to the back to this random stranger who, well, they shared a cigarette, but um, he went to the back row, and then he took out a buck knife and started stabbing him. <laughs> like, and then in the he, neck, multiple it, times. Yeah. Then he get decapitated him. Which, oh, my God. Oh, remember, my God, yeah. Remember when we well, watched the animator? he pulled out a pair of scissors. That, that's what I'm saying. The guy, like... I thought it was a buck knife. He had a buck knife, yeah, but then he pulled out a pair. So this guy was traveling with both a buck knife and a pair of scissors. Oh, shit, yeah. And he is literally walking free in Canada right now after stabbing this man literally hundreds of times. He got locked in the bus and the police Severing even him. the dude's head and holding the head like a fucking What movie was that from? Barbie. Yeah, oh, I don't huh? know. Remember the reanimator when we were watching it the other day? And he yeah. literally held the head up like that? Basically, we just want you guys to please listen to our Patreon episodes because you're missing out. It's not we're not asking you for for us. We're asking you for you. You're, yeah, that's true. Like you, you are also it's a freaking we're, dollar. We're giving away like ten dollars worth of Taco Bell, which is like five yeah. meals. Yes, yeah, so we do give away Taco Bell. Um, which I think uh, I gift cards. I think I won <laughs> that one actually. No, I told you y'all can't. You guys cannot. Oh, what the fuck? You guys can't I, win I responded. It because... I was the first one. I want me a chalupa. Listen, 
you can't you can't have a contest I'm and then not drunk. tell Nicole and then have her think that she won and then tell her I she didn't I said win. that Jen and Nicole, also, Nicole is not... probably and I'm pretty competitive but I think Nicole is probably the most competitive person I've you ever met in my so? entire life one of the yes I actually don't consider myself to be competitive really yeah all right I also want to give a huge shout out tonight to one of our Patreon members and I really appreciate you guys supporting us because this podcast is not free, but we are addicted to making you guys happy and, and putting out really amazing content. So we work our ass off. So thank you so much, Megan, for being a Patreon subscriber. And this story is for you tonight. Oh, yeah. This did, is a. Yeah, did she this, suggest this one? She suggested this one. Yes. Oh, this cool. is Megan, one of our Patreon members, suggested I do this, and I am doing it. It's in the pipeline now, and also. Also, Hillary, um, you're in the pipeline. Jasmine, you're also in the pipeline. I got a story coming up for you. Thank you guys so much for supporting us on Patreon. You guys mean so much. And I really hope you enjoy this story, Megan. So thank you so much again for supporting us. We hope that it's as entertaining as you want it to be. We're going to do it tonight for you up here. All right. Yeah, yeah, it's in Texas. Come on now. I I did see that comment. Megan's from Texas. Our Patreon fans. I didn't see that, but I... But I know she's from Texas. Well, all, all I remember seeing was that she had one suggestion that was from Texas. Yeah. Oh. So, guys, if you want to have a story done for you, and if a lot of stories come in, I'll get to them, I promise. First, join the Patreon, and then you can either email John at TalkMurder, that's J-O-N at TalkMurder.com, or you can go to TalkMurder.com, and I'll have a link that says, like, submit your own stories or whatever, and then it goes straight to me. The reason for that is I don't want the girls to know what the story is. I want it to be a surprise for them for, you know, shock value and stuff like that. So, but I, I want to do your guys' stories, the hometown stories that you guys know and and want to hear told by me, so. The stars at are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. That's for you, Megan. Yeah, I've went through Texas once, and I, I love to, Texas. is amazing. You I've know, been, been to San times. Antonio, and I really like the Riverwalk. Mm-hmm. This is the first place I saw drive-in liquor stores. And I yeah, was like, yeah. I, I mean, down here. It's amazing. I <laughs> yeah. love. I like Texas. A I lot. saw one of those in Florida too, in Saint Augustine. Hmm. Yeah, so Texas. Shout out to Texas. We're going there tonight. We're we're in Texas because Texas to, is fucking huge. We're going to Wiley, Texas. Where's that? It's a smaller town, 19... Oh, fuck. <laughs> what did you guess, 2000? I said 2014. <laughs> I said two, oh, fuck. 1980. Oh. Damn. Yeah, I know. Fuck. It was Friday the 13th. Thank God it's Friday Ooh. night. June, Friday 13th, 1980 mm-hmm. is when this story goes down. Alan Gore. No, he's a smart guy. He's Al a Gore? genius. No, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, Al Gore. Damn, I didn't even think about that. No, Alan Gore. Al Gore. He's very smart, as in he works with the radio defense program. I don't know. Some, like, top secret government program. Alan Gore. He's in Minnesota. He went away from for business. And his wife, Betty Gore, is still at home in Texas. Mm-hmm. Now, he's worried about her because... She doesn't like when he goes out of town because she has anxiety when he leaves. She has all these just she's nervous all the time. She's she, jealous. 
but she, not jealous. Cheat on her. He's not the type to cheat. I mean, he's he's a very smart, intelligent scientist type. Well, those are the ones you never expect, but they sometimes wonder. Now he's not the type to cheat. She's not really worried that he's cheating on her. So she's worried he's going to die. So Betty Gore, thirty years old, just went through postpartum depression. She, oh. she just had a baby, yeah. Bethany, still in the crib. You know, whining and stuff. Mm -hmm. She went through depression. She still has depression. She was taking Valium and stuff like that. uh, Mm -hmm. All kinds of stuff to calm her down. He goes to Minnesota. He wasn't supposed to go, but there was a a computer problem and he had to go back and fix it. He was only gone for a few days, but she was just a train wreck. So, I mean, he actually called her from the airport before he left. And then when he got to Minnesota, after the day's work, he went back to the hotel room, called her. She didn't pick up. Now, this was later in the day. It was like 6, 7 o'clock at night. She didn't pick up. Called her again. She didn't pick up again. Now he's getting really worried because Betty Gore, his wife, was a stay-at-home mom. She, yeah, she had friends, and she'll go out with friends, but she wasn't the type that stays out. She was an elementary teacher, and she was highly involved in their Methodist church. She was like a, she did a vacation Bible school, mm-hmm. or what is it, vacation Bible school? Yeah, vacation yeah. Bible school. She did Bible studies. She ran little children's classes and stuff like that. She's not the type to go out and stay out. He's calling her, and, well, maybe she's in the shower, whatever. He waits 15 minutes, tries it again. Phone just rings, rings, rings. There's no answer machine. Rings 15 times. Now he's getting kind of worried. He's like, all right, just just chill. He's got two friends with him, his, uh, you know, work friends. Colleague. Colleagues. He's got two colleagues with him. He goes out to dinner with his friends, and they're like, don't worry about it. She's literally probably just with a friend. Like, maybe... I don't know. It's the stupidest thing, right? So he's like, all right. But he's still so nervous, he just orders cheesecake, and he's like nibbling on it. Anyway, he goes back to the room, and he calls again. And again, she didn't answer the phone. Now he's really worried, because now it's getting like 8, 9 o'clock at night. And they got a brand new... They got a newborn baby, Bethany. And it's still in the crib. Alan tries a couple more times... Not successful. So he calls his neighbor, a guy named Richard, which is also the guy that actually sold him the house to begin with. He's like a older guy. He had the he owned the house prior. Calls him about nine at night. Richard, hey, I'm sorry. This is Alan Gore, your next door neighbor. Sorry to bother you, but is there any way you can go over and, and check through the windows and could you just go over and see if Betty's home? And he's like, uh I guess, hold on, and he puts the phone down, because he's got kids he's dealing with, his right, right. with his grandkids, like, they're all screaming. He runs over there, like, in his bathroom, and he looks in the window, nothing, right? Hmm. The garage door is open, which is weird. Is it dark in the house? No, the, all the lights are on. Hmm. And the garage door's open, which is kind of weird. Maybe she's it, taking a bath. Yeah, but, I mean, he try, he's been trying to call for a few hours. Maybe she's soaking and getting all pruney. All the lights are on. Obviously, he can't see Betty inside. But the garage door is open, which is weird. And the cars are in the dry, in the garage. 
they have two cars, a little Volkswagen and something else. They're in the garage. So he goes back and, and he's dealing with his own grandchildren. And he's like, hey, she's she's not answering the phone. Or she's, she's not answering the door, but the lights are on. She's probably in there. I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, don't worry about it. Thank you so much. So they hang up and then he's he's like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. Anyway. He tries again and again and again at the house. No answer. Then he calls Richard back. He's like, I'm sorry to bother you again, but is there any way that you could see if a window's open or anything? You should get in the house some way. He's like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Yeah. He's like, uh, okay, I, yeah, that's fine. He was kind of like kind of aggravated, but he's like, I, whatever, I'll do it. How long was he in Minnesota for? Like he just got there. All right, he killed her. End of story. <laughs> Done. Chin. <laughs> Richard goes back over there, and when a uh, right, right when he's about to get to the door, there's two other guys that come up, and he's like, "What? What are you guys doing?" Those two guys are also neighbors. Alan Gore called Richard, and then he called two other neighbors and said, hey, can you guys please go over there? So they all met up, the three of them. He's like, I don't know what's going on. Alan just called me. Like, we literally never talk. He never talks to me. Yeah, we're neighbors. I'm a couple houses down, but it's like, this is weird because I don't even know his wife mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, yeah, I don't know what her habits are yeah, or whatever. but I guess we'll like try to break into this guy's house. Mm-hmm. It's like nine. I am disenchanted with Mr. Al Gore and his internet. They go around, check all the windows, nothing right. And then Richard runs back because he, he owned the house. He does some real estate. He's got yeah. some other properties. Mm-hmm. He goes and gets his keys. Like, he's got a bundle of keys. Oh, and he stuff. was like the landlord and no, like a neighbor? No, he sold them the house. Oh, okay. He brings over this big bundle of keys, like on a key ring. Goes up to the door. Starts trying all these keys. Nothing fits, right? And then they go around. They're still checking the windows. And then he's like, fuck, nothing fits. And then he puts it back in. That's what she said. He's like... Tries it again, and then he realizes he wasn't turning it the right way. So uh, he's like, oh, my God, this one works. Okay. So I got their key. Let's go in. So all three of them goes into Alan Gore's house. Lights are all on. It's kind of, and they're like, Betty? Betty, are you in here? This is your neighbors. They're walking around, opening doors. No, it's weird. Like, eerily quiet. The baby eventually screamed. And they ran into the baby's room and was like, what the fuck? The baby was sitting there. It had spoiled itself. Oh, no. It was laying in its own excrement. It was badly neglected. Was not where you would want your baby to be, especially your newborn. There's a newborn baby. So one of them picks it up. Puts the baby on his shoulder and is like, all right, go take care of this immediately. One of them runs the baby out, brings it back to one of the housewives in the area. Okay. Now he gets back and they're still checking doors. Like, Betty, Betty, are you in here? It's a nice house too. Pretty recently built. 1974 is when it was built. Mm. Um, finally, one of them opens the bathroom. And there's blood everywhere. There's blood on the walls. There's blood on the 
the shower curtain. There's blood all over the sink. And he's like, whoa, this isn't good. This is not good. This is not good. This is great. Everything's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no body. He was like, okay, well, maybe she hit her head and, and I don't know, she passed out somewhere. Uh, we just got to find her. So they're like frantically now checking rooms. I mean, the baby is neglected. They they check a couple more rooms and then they open the utility closet and he's just in shock. And then he shuts the door and one of the other guys is coming in and he's like, no, no, you don't, you, you don't want to see what's in there. She's dead. And as soon as he says that, the phone rings eerily, just it's the house phone. And he goes and picks it up. And he's like, hello. Hey, this is Alan Gore. What's going on? Is Betty there? Let me talk to Betty. And then he's like, it's, it's not good. This isn't good. It looks like she shot herself in the, in the head. Wait, so it looks like she shot herself in the head, but how did she get from the bathroom to the utility closet? Well, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> Blood everywhere. You, I'll describe the scene in a little bit. I'm going to save you guys. We don't get right pictures? Now. There's no pictures of this. There's some murder stories that have plenty of pictures, like the one last time with the Dracula killer. Some murder stories don't. I mean, it's, it depends on if the cops release it to the public or not. Mm. Obviously, they call 911 immediately. Cops go there. Now, suicides, they happen all the time. Maybe that's why there were no pictures, because it was ruled a suicide. And Betty Gore was going through a lot. She was in postpartum depression. She had other issues, too. She didn't like to be left alone at all. And Alan would go on all these trips. Abandonment issues. Alan would go on all these trips. And stuff like that. And she, I'll talk a little bit about Betty later, but she was not well at the time. So the first thing that goes into Alan's head was, okay, well, she, she did it. She killed herself. He tells his friends, obviously he's going back home. Right. The next flight. Now the police get there and they're going through everything they they try to kick everyone out like everyone that's there like because you know neighbors they come over and what's going on what's going on so they're trying to get in the house the body was covered up it was a gruesome scene gruesome the body was covered up sent to the coroners now the cops spent all night there detectives and everything spent all night there they were trying to recreate the scene already well well shit if she killed herself then what How's her blood in the bathroom? How's her... Like, what the shit? There's like a broken... There's a detached fingernail over here. There's hair. Bloody hair everywhere. So they're trying to process that. They send her body to the morgue. Alan is in his hotel room. Trying to know what's going on. Now, his daughter, Alyssa, is staying with one of the church families. Pat Montgomery and Candy Montgomery. So Alyssa's staying with them. They were having like a movie night and stuff like that. So he calls and Candy picks up the phone. And he's like, I, I don't know how to say this, but Betty's Betty's been shot. She's dead. And then Candy starts freaking out like, like, what the fuck, right? Like, oh my God, like having a hyper, you know, starting a panic attack. And then he's like, it's, it's crazy because we don't even own a gun. So she shot herself without a gun. What? Now, yeah, exactly. Where'd the gun go? The coroner 
gets in touch with the detectives is like, you don't have yourself a suicide with a, a gun. There was no guns involved. This was not, there's no gun in the world that can do this. What was it, dynamite? It was an, a three foot axe. What? An axe. The coroner found 41 axe wounds in Betty Gore's body. In the crime scene, they found a bloody fingernail. They found numerous blood samples. From different people or the same? I can't tell you that yet. They found a clump of hair from the bathtub. They found a bloody thumbprint. And they found several bloody footprints, a corpse, and a three-foot axe that was covered in blood. Now, so what do you guys think happened? You think he killed him? Alan, you think he killed his wife and then left for Minnesota? It's usually the husband. Chief Detective Abbott, quote, It was not premeditated. The weapon is too strange. I mean, it's an axe, right? Mm-hmm. You don't premeditate a murder with a freaking axe. Lucy Borden did. Because you gotta... It's not one hit, one kill. You gotta swing multiple times, right? That doesn't mean it can't be premeditated. Now... Especially if your victim is unconscious. The weapon is too strange. There are signs of terrible struggle everywhere. It was a crime of circumstance. Second, those footprints... In the utility room. Don't belong to a man. They're too small. I think a woman did this. A woman or a kid. Hmm. End quote. (gasps) Oh. So, all right. The crime scene. Blood everywhere. The corpse. I'm about to kind of go through what the corpse was like. Completely destroyed. Hmm. But would a kid have the strength to swing that axe? Yeah. Blood everywhere, blood in the bathroom. Now, the whoever did this had the audacity to take a shower after the murder in the victim's bathtub. Hmm. Take a shower because the hair was found in the drain. So club, it was the daughter in the drain plug or whatever. It was the daughter, but like, why? And how did she swing that axe so heavily? Okay, also, this is what's really scary. He could tell almost immediately that there appeared to be very little. Now, there's a coroner. Could tell almost immediately that appeared to be very little post-mortem wounds. Meaning that the majority, about 40 of the strikes with an axe, were done while Betty Gore was still alive. Hmm. She was hacked up when she was alive. What? Hmm. Yeah. With a woman's shoe print I, in but, the blood. But like a, a child's footprint? Or, or a child. Woman or child. It's too small to be a man's footprint. Well, unless it's a man with a micropenis. That doesn't necessarily correlate. He might just have small feet. Okay, so the the detectives figured, all right, this must be a sexual crime because a sexual a sexual crime because there was overkill. Now, Mm -hmm. overkill is usually attached to a crime of passion, right? Mm -hmm. So you just ah, like I love you but I hate you, and I just keep hitting you. Okay, this was overkill. 
You don't hit someone with an axe 41 times. That's, that is overkill. And an axe is an intimate object. So, like, if you shoot someone, that's, that's not a crime of passion, but an axe you're getting right next to them and you're feeling the blows and the heat and the passion and the axe and the... Hmm. It's a crime of passion. And axe murders are one of the most rarest murders out there. Not many people get murdered with an axe. Now, no. I do want to point out a very weird thing within all this chaos and all this blood and just ugh, gruesomeness. There was a Dallas morning newspaper and it was open to the entertainment section and folded into a single article displayed was a movie review of The Shining. Hmm. Interesting. The Shining just came out, actually. It really? was a psychopath, you know, Shining, Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The scene yeah, with yeah. The, Psychopathic with the axe, axe yeah. murderer. Uh huh. It was folded up as it was on display. Huh. So this may have been premeditated. The coroner noticed the wounds were pointed at the top of the head of Betty Gore, but in the bottom, like when they were, the axe was dug deep into the head. They were squared. Hmm. So the coroner states, this meant the killer would have had to wiggle the axe back and forth as one does chopping wood to remove it from the bone before striking again. Yeah. That's why it was squared at the bottom. He or she, the killer, hit in Betty Gore's head and then couldn't get the axe out. So she had to wiggle it. To pull the axe out. <laughs> she wasn't strong enough to just pull it out, so it must well, have been Well, just like chopping wood. You chop some wood, and, and the axe gets stuck in the wood. I don't know. In the grains of the I wood. I grew up in this And you're wiggling city, it. city, so I didn't oh. ever have to chop wood as a child. Not even at Girl Scout camp. We did, however, learn how to make some dream catchers and canoe. Hmm? All the vertical blows were parallel and very deep. And of such similarity that it was obvious to him that he'd been st- that they had been struck after Betty Gore was down and her head had ceased to move. So this was definitely a crime of passion. Half of her face was nothing but a mass of tissue and blood. Yeah. The eye socket and the cheekbone had been pummeled to bits. The bone was completely fractured that the eyeball had sunk out of sight falling back into the sinus now they at first they thought they the killer removed the eyeball i thought you said this wasn't as gruesome because the eyeball wasn't there he's like wow the killer took the eyeball but then it realized the eyeball was just so sunken down into the face like below the nose like all literally almost in their mouth the the passage is that big the force of the axe uh-huh. coming towards Betty Gore, hitting her right in the face. I mean, not if you hit someone with an axe, a lot of times, you know, it's probably in the the side. Or I mean, you just swing an axe. This was right down the center of the forehead, right in her eye. One of them hit her eye, and it sunk her eye back into her nose. The elbow of Betty Gore was cut so wide and so deep that at first glance. 
they thought that the arm was completely severed. It was literally hanging on by a tendon. I'm like literally having like these pains happen to me as you're describing <laughs> them. And I think it may be my empathic nature, but I don't know. There were blood stains on the bath mat, the soap dish, the wall tiles, and the tub. Now, he, had, the killer actually took a shower. The killer killed Betty Gore. A, I want to point out an elementary teacher. A 30-year-old mother of two, one brand-new baby daughter, still in the crib crying. It was the baby. A mother of two in in a middle-class American in a nice subdivision. Murdered with an axe, a three-foot axe. That's not a big axe. It's the husband's mistress. Um, I have to say that whoever it was must have felt comfortable enough with the family or in the house to have taken that chair. I feel like a random murderer or someone, even Ooh. an acquaintance, would not have felt... Is is the husband's maybe. mistress the nanny? Yeah, maybe. A baby, babysitter. Which is why the child was not harmed. Could be. I've come up with, like, several theories. Yeah. Well, you came up with that one, but, like, I feel like you guys haven't yelled at me about my multiple guesses, so thank you. Our our story keeps evolving here. One last thing. Um, but I don't mean to interrupt. And the last noise. The coroner noticed that the last seven blows. And this is the last I'm going to talk about the murder. The last seven blows were actually so deep and struck with so much force that they had fully penetrated the skull, gone all the way into the cranial vault causing a good portion of Betty Gore's brain to seep out onto the floor. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Lovely. Alan is in Minnesota. He thinks his wife shot himself. Shot herself. She's been having all this depression issues. She's been going to the doctor for all these different ailments. She's got, what? what is it called? Where postpartum you, depression. No, not postpartum. Well, yeah, but she's got uh, where... You develop all these things, but it's just like stress related, you know, like she will go into the doctor for like stomach aches, but it's, it's nothing wrong with her. It's just her stress level is causing that. It's almost like fibromyalgia. I would, I would think that's no, the best different. word. No, fibromyalgia is not related to stress. That's like has to do with your nerve endings. Well, she's always going to the hospital for every different thing. Hypochondriac. Yeah, but it's real though. It's it's like she's always hurting somewhere, but it's the doctor knows it's stress induced. I don't know. Stress Um, induced whatever the symptoms are. So all the neighbor all the neighborhood was over there. And they were trying to process a crime scene literally into the wee hours of the morning. Now, once the news got out and it got out pretty quick that there was not just a murder. Are not just a suicide, but an axe murder. The media outlets and the newspapers went wild mm. because an axe murder you never see. Okay, that's the shit you see in movies. So that is great for selling papers. Yep. Not only that, but an elementary teacher who is also a Sunday school teacher mm. who is middle class. A white American living in a, a a brand new home in the suburbs, murdered, hit 
at least 41 times with an axe while she was still alive. Tell me that will not sell some damn newspapers. They went crazy. The media stormed. They were at the house every day trying to get pictures of the grieving husband, trying to get pictures of the cops, all the crimes. I mean, it was everywhere. I've got like literally 100 newspaper articles about this shit. It was all over the place. Now, that caused a major panic within the town because the media didn't know about the footprints, about the small footprints. They just knew that it was a freaking axe murderer. And this is during the 80s. Everyone's run to Home Depot or whatever and buying double bolt locks for their doors. They're buying guns. I mean, there's a freaking axe murderer on their loose. <laughs> right? They just think they're, I mean, everyone's like not even leaving their house. They think there's axe murders running around the neighborhood. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously the husband, right? Is the suspect. Always. It's because yeah. it's always the husband. Well, Alan comes back. Poor and Alan. He gets interrogated. Even we judged him. They're straight up with him. It's like, all right. Okay, it's 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 a little odd, Mr. Gore, that you leave for Minnesota a few hours before your wife is literally dismembered in your utility room of your house. Is that not weird to you? Also, like the with the timing of it, like it very he it very easily could have been him. Yeah. Now. He could have been calling all those people to his house. Just Maybe he was standing on stilts with tiny feet. Well, he had an alibi for being in Minnesota. Does that correlate well at the time of death of the body? It did, yeah, because he was in Minnesota around 9 o'clock in the morning. Hmm. Now, he told the police that he was really worried about going to his business trip because Betty, every time he leaves... She breaks down. And in fact, the last time he saw his wife was when he was driving off and she was sitting there crying because she didn't want him to go. Hmm. Right? Because he knew that she may not, she she wasn't in her right mind. So that's what he told the police. She Uh, wasn't in her right mind. But what's the motive? They're both highly involved in the local church. It's a Methodist church. Now, they're both in the choir. They're both highly involved in all the teaching and stuff. And she's an elementary school teacher. Now, I want to tell you, Alan Gore is not a very good-looking dude. I mean, he's got a receding hairline. He's a... I mean, he's smart. He's got the intelligence thing going on. you know, created the internet, so... But he's not very... Most most women wouldn't find him very attractive. You know, Al Gore did not age well at all. He was like thin and not bad looking, but like now he like then he got like fat. And how like, old is he? I can't really talk because I'm fat, but whatever. Jen, you're not fat. Oh, Al Gore, I haven't seen him in a while. So you did it, Alan? They were trying to pressure him. No, no, I didn't do it. I didn't. And he's breaking down. He's like, well, well, who did it? Did you, have you ever, it's Betty, has Betty been sleeping with anyone else? Has she had an affair? Was she currently involved with someone? He's like, no, Betty wouldn't do that. 
That's what he said. No, Betty wouldn't do that. But he would. Okay, Mr. Allen. Would you do that? Oh! <laughs> Damn! And he said... The nanny. He says no! But... Uh-huh. They always say no at first, some fuckers. But he calls the detect Because there was three guys in the room. There were some... This case was so infamous at the time. You guys weren't even born. Neither was I. Okay. That not only did multiple police agencies get involved, but the Texas Rangers. Chuck Norris himself got involved. (laughs) (laughs) You know? They got involved in it. So there was a a Texas Ranger there. I'm not really sure they're... I don't know what they do, but they're they like sound the Mounties, cool. except in Texas, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the Texas Ranger is there, and um, or are they like the state police or something. So he calls the detective six in the morning. He's like, I, I wasn't quite honest with you about one thing. He was getting it in. I did have an affair mm-hmm. with a man, Candy Montgomery, the nanny. No, the babysitter, the friend. That was watching Elisa at the time. <gasps> Alyssa. Alyssa. That was oh. watching Alyssa at the time. Oh, okay, Candy okay. Montgomery. All right. Well, I kind of consider that to be a nanny. Yeah, now, let me tell you a little bit about Candy, right? Because Candy was interviewed, Candy too. Candy is such a fucking stripper name. <laughs> Candace is the full version, I think. Yeah. So, um, so Mr. Al, he was having an affair with, what's her name? Candy. Candy. Candy who was, Montgomery. Who is watching Alyssa for the weekend. Yeah, so they How were... long have they been to dating? Or sleeping together, whatever. How did they meet? Well, they both go to church together. Lord. They go to the United Methodist yeah. Church. Ha ha! See what I did there? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that's funny. <clears throat> now, let me tell you a little bit about Candy before I get into that. Is she a part-time stripper? No, but Montgomery I... Montgomery is they... a fam- famous family name. They had a... a Department store named Montgomery Ward. <clears throat> Candy was an army brat. She's been everywhere, bouncing around. Her dad uh, was like a radio technician in the military, so they went to every different base. Now, when she was young, she was really cute. She was blonde. She was very extroverted, always hanging out with the guys, a tomboy, if you will. Now, she had an older sister named Joy that was kind of a bad influence on her. She's the one that taught her about sex and stuff like that. Now, Candy. Once Candy figured out what sex was, she wanted. It. She loved it, right? So, Ew. her first hookup was with a guy named Chris. Nicole, if you can read a quote from Candy about her relationship, where it starts with the pink. <clears throat> Actually, we went to the car with him. Would be more appropriate since it was the back seat of his Ford. I was very disappointed. From all the trashy novels I had read, I expected fireworks and explosions to be all quivering with lust. I'd certainly wanted him before he actually entered me, but afterwards it was a big letdown. Oh, it felt good, and it didn't hurt like I expected it to, but it didn't feel as good as I thought it would. I wondered afterwards if my eyes were all glassy and my cheeks rosy like in the novels. It got better, though, as time went on. We became more experienced and experimental with each other. Not that she was a hoe, but, you know, she was, you know... Kind of a hoe. Kind of a hoe, yeah. yeah. So she married this guy named Pat, 
Pat was a very, very bright electrical engineer. And he actually worked for a little company you may have heard of called Texas Instruments. Oh. Yeah. My so, calculator. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. I still have my my calculator. My they make some badass calculator. calculators. TI-83. I, like, yeah. I, I never got the graphing calculator one. I had the blue one with the white cover. I had the graphing calculator one. I nope. I never was good at math, so I never got a graphing <laughs> calculator. It wasn't worth my time. They make some badass calculators. They're like fucking eighty dollars. They were expensive. I just had to borrow my graphing calculator from the bin at school. Okay, just to... my little Casio. Loved it. It wasn't Texas Instrument. It was a Casio. Just to tell you how smart Pat was, he got his his dissertation for his PhD was groundbreaking. It was called, quote, electromagnetic boundary value problems based upon a modification of residue calculus and function theoretic techniques. I'm sorry, what was that in English? <laughs> you lost me literally halfway through. Jen, that. can you please explain what electromagnetic boundary problems are? Fuck no. Anyway, so he's really smart. I don't know what to say about that. All right, so moving on. Candace was bored. She's 30 years old. She's bored in her marriage to this guy, Pat. Yeah, he's super smart, successful. She has the house she's always wanted. She has kids. But she gets bored. Mm. Now, she's really active in the church. Keep in mind. She tells one of her friends, Sherry, I think I want to have an affair I want to weird. Uh, That's like a normal co-curricular activity. Weird. <laughs> I think I'm going to do something morally repugnant. So Alan, they play volleyball together. And she, Alan's not the the good looker, right? I mean, you would never shit, fuck. Whoa. Sorry. You would never fall for Alan. But they were playing volleyball one day and she told Sherry, "Oh yeah, so we were playing volleyball and I like bumps into him and I don't know. He just smelled so sexy. He just smelled his smell. He's not attractive. He's women are attracted to smell, but the smell of the body odor in his armpits, he went right into the armpits. So so women, like if, if if a woman doesn't think that you smell good, like you won't like, like there was this one guy that I really liked, but then like, I smelled, not like went up to him and smelled him, but like, you know, I got caught caught a whiff and I was like, I don't know if I could like date that. Hmm. It just wasn't a mix. I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? All right. So Candy right now, almost 29 years old and totally honest with herself and sexually frustrated. She wanted an affair and she was going to get an affair. That was like what her mind was set on. She was going to have an affair. I was like, good life choices. I'm going to do it. Anyway. Good for you. New Year's resolution. She she bumped in. Go, Candy Cane. She bumped into Alan Gore, the computer technician. That was also friends with Pat. I mean, these wives and husbands were friends with each other. They went to the same damn church. Sure, Mm -hmm. it's all a little neighborhood. Now, she approached him, Alan, and, and just was like, I, I just got to tell you something. I'm, I'm attracted to you. And then she like ran, you know, ran out like a little <laughs> high school. <laughs> Will you date me? Check one. <laughs> yeah. So he thought about it. Like, what the fuck was that about? And anyway, he called her a few days later and was like, meet me at this, like behind this little auto parts dealership and we'll talk. 
So Candy proposed the idea once they met, okay, you're married to Betty, I'm married to Pat Montgomery. Let's have an affair. Now, the affair didn't happen for another month because Alan went through this whole cycle of not knowing if he wanted to do it. Yeah, he was attracted to Candy, but... His wife was pregnant. Was No, his well, his wife had... Yeah, actually, when he left for Minnesota, that's a good point, one of the reasons she was, like, freaking out is because she had missed her period for two weeks. Oh, no. I'm not saying she was pregnant. We never... We don't know if she was ever pregnant, but she may have been pregnant, which may have been... You know, cause it. But anyway, um, so anyway, Alan goes to this whole thing. Like, I don't know if I want to. Like, anyway, he comes over to Candy's house, which is also Pat. And, you know, she's a mother, too. And she's like, has these little Venn diagrams of like the pros and cons of having an affair. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's this whole fucking thing. And, like, they go, it's like little freaking middle schoolers. They go for a month doing this back and forth. Like, should we? Should we not? I really like you, but do you like me? They call each other all the time. So, finally, they were like, let's just meet at a hotel, and then we'll see if it goes down. They met at this hotel. It was kind of a more expensive hotel. And it was really awkward at first. Candy had made some beef teriyaki steak and they like mm. ate lunch together this was during the lunch break because it's not like they're meeting at night this is during alan gore's lunch break at his workplace and when kit and when candy has already dropped off the kids at school and she has a two-hour break between doing mom stuff and then picking up the kids again right so including alan's kid Alyssa. remember the whole time the affair's going on, she's babysitting that girl, that eight-year-old girl or whatever. So anyway, they meet at this hotel. It's this whole fucking thing. Eventually, they do hook up and... They do the deed, yeah. That they do the deed. And after they had sex, she was very pleased. But now he was really inexperienced. Read that. He wasn't very interesting in bed, and he was certainly quick about it. But he had an advantage, advantage most men didn't. The most perfectly shaped penis Candy had ever seen. <laughs> I don't understand what she means by shape. Got that eggplant emoji. Alan goes in, walks into the hotel room. Now, she has slipped into her most favorite peekaboo negligly. Negligly? Negligé. Negligly. Nope. Negligé. Negligé. Nope. Negligé. What is that? Negligé. Negligly. It's like a nighty. It's lingerie. So, yeah. So anyway, they ended up doing lingerie the, negligee. Yeah. You can be negligee with your child, but then you will go to prison. Mm-hmm. Ah. Now, Someone the affair lasted. The affair lasted about eight months. It's a long time. Yes, yeah, a long time. Pad didn't know anything about it. Betty didn't know anything that about sucks. it. But now, both of them started getting feelings for each other, which is one of their rules, and then. It's like Alan, on the lips. Mm. Alan started saying, I, I really don't want to do this anymore. It's not fair to Betty, my wife, you know, that I've been fucking banging you and I have a wife with a baby. 
Like, oh, it's not fair. I want to be, I want to take the moral high ground now. I want to be with you. They've been meeting at this place called the Como Motel. It's some shady ass place. So they play, they paid pay high the price the first time for a nice hotel. Paid by the hour. And then, yeah. And then they started paying dirt cheap at this place called the Como Hotel. It's fucking shady as shit. Still in business is fucking shit. Okay. So Alan's like, I got to break out this fair. Our church, the same church she goes to, is called, they do this thing called Marriage Encounters, where you go for a weekend with your spouse that mm-hmm. you're having problems with. Like a retreat. And, yeah, it's like a retreat. And then you, like, talk and stuff and communicate with your spouse. Anyway, he came back with that with Betty, and they were, like, on a this new high, right? They they fell in love with each other again. That's the the letter you read earlier. Mm-hmm. was after the marriage encounter. And in the church, the people that have went, the couples that have went through the encounters, you would know because they say they have been encountered and they'd be all like hugging on each other in the sermon or whatever. Candy started getting jealous. The detectives the whole time are thinking that Alan killed his wife or hired someone or whatever. Candy finally becomes a suspect when they're like, what did you do on June 13th? I dropped the kids off vacation Bible school. I went to Betty's house, Betty Gore's house, to get Alyssa's swimsuit because she has swim practice in the afternoon. Me and Betty talked a little bit. Betty gave me some peppermints and said, Alyssa doesn't like to put her head in her water, so when she does, give her a peppermint because that's how we reward her. So she took peppermints. Then she went to target because she had to get birthday cards for dad but when she got in target parking lot she noticed her watch stopped she thought she it said 10 30 but it was really later because her watch stopped so she ends up running back to church where she missed her son's play performance in the church and then and that's like her story she would say that like a robot right Mm. to everyone Mm. anyway eventually the cops started Figuring out, all right, we think Candy did it. Number one, the footprints in the scene of the crime are from a female. Number two, the fingerprint, the thumbprint finally came back and it was positive for Candy's fingerprint. This was her thumbprint. She's got her blonde hair in the bathtub. We know she's done it. They accuse her of doing it. She ends up getting a lawyer that's actually in her church. If you see the her thumbprint, I don't, I don't see how she can avoid this. She can't avoid it. So they she gets a lawyer. Now, Pat actually takes out $2,000 in his credit savings account with Texas Instruments. She hires a lawyer that's in the church. Now, the lawyer doesn't believe Candy did it. I mean, Why? but he doesn't know about the footprint yet mm-hmm. and, the, and the thumbprint. So he's like almost laughing about it. Like, <laughs> like what? Like, there's no way. That it was like, the cops it. think you did it. Yeah, they're just trying to bully you. Police try to get Candy to take a polygraph test. And then the lawyer's like, no, don't take a polygraph test. The lawyer's like, all right, I, I don't think you did it. But I think you are covering up for someone that did do it. I think you know who did it. So who did it? And it's like, the police really believe Alan did it. Hmm. Did Alan do it or not? Candy says, no, Alan didn't do it. And then her attorney says, well, how do you know that? And then she says, because I did it. What? She confessed to it. Now, she says, 
it's not like I meant to. It was self-defense. That's what oh. she says. Well, just listen. Right. So self-defense. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. So she's, what, what happens when you admit it to your lawyer that you did it? Like, does it matter? They still have to defend you, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, do they still be like, not guilty? Client uh, attorney privilege. Now, before she went into talk to the lawyer and confessed, Pat, her husband, was shifting around in through like her stuff because they actually went to the couple's encounter, the marriage Rich encounter. Free, yeah. And one of the tasks in the marriage encounter is called 10 and 10, which basically for 10 minutes, the couples write a love letter to each other. And then for the next 10 minutes, they talk about it. Oh, wow. So that sounds Pat, fun. the scientist, a very, very good guy and very devoted to his wife, has never cheated on his wife, was so infatuated by Candy, his wife, that he would reread these letters multiple times. Now, he went upstairs to do the same thing, reread the letters, but he couldn't find them. But he did find a letter from Alan that confessed to everything. It confessed about the infidelities. It confessed about the multiple hotels. It confessed everything. Now, Alan's a friend. So he thought. Now. Not um, no more. Yeah. So. No, I confess. Well, what did he do when he saw when he saw that? Did he flip his shit? Or he he's like a good called. Person? He called her friend, her best friend. She's a hair salon stylist, and she's like, "Tell me what happened. Is it still going on? Is she still having an affair with Alan?" And then Sherry's like, "No, she's like really serious now. No, it was a one-time thing. It only lasted for a few months. She hasn't even been a with one, them. A one-time thing that lasted yeah. for a few months." <laughs> That's she not she accurate. just couldn't find herself. It, it ended about she, eight months she ago. She found it in his yeah. penis. Yeah. <laughs> his perfectly shaped penis. Yeah. What the fuck? So anyway, this is what drives me crazy. When Kenny gets home for the day, Pat, already knowing the news, doesn't tell her, but writes her a letter that says, you know, I found this. So he gives her this letter and then he goes upstairs and is like, when you want to talk about this come upstairs and I'll be there. And of course, when they finally do talk about it, her husband, Pat, is like, it's my fault. I I haven't been uh, there for you. And Mama. it's... Uh, yeah, it's bullshit. Anyway. <laughs> and that's not the only affair that Candy has had. But let me get to not the meat and potatoes real quick. Candy's defense attorney did something really smart. He hired a guy a hypnotherapist mm-hmm. that usually deals with like multimillionaires and stuff like that. He's very well, like renowned and well known. Mm-hmm. He puts candy under like hypnotherapy, right? Mm-hmm. When I snap my fingers, he says, you will begin experience and relating a time to me as you go through it. One, two, three. And he snapped his fingers and then they go back to the day, June 13th. <gasps> Ooh. The moment that it happened. Oh. Now, it takes a couple sections. This is hours and hours and hours and hours of hypnotherapy. Right. Now, this, keep in mind, the defense lawyer put her through this because Candy said, I killed her. She tells that to her lawyer. I did it. I killed her. But I don't remember anything at all. It was self-defense, but I don't remember anything. That makes sense. So mm. they hire this hypnotherapist 
She goes to him, a therapist, spends a, hours and hours and hours with him. And in the hallway, they can hear like screaming and yelling, all kinds of stuff. Inside, snap my fingers, one, two, three, you're back June 13th around noontime. Kenny Montgomery drives her station wagon to Betty Gore's house. She leaves her kid. She's got to go back, see her kid do his play in the church. But she's got to go pick that swimsuit up for, from Alyssa, from Betty, because Alyssa, Betty's daughter, has swim practice, and she's going to take him. And then after that, she's going to take them all to see the Empire Strikes Back movie, Star mm, Wars. Right, right. And that's what she kept saying like the whole time. She gets to Betty's house. Betty's like, come on in, come on in. You know, and they're good friends. So she goes in there and they make small talk and they have new puppies. Betty and Candy goes out there and plays the new puppies Aww. and all this stuff. She gets a swimsuit and then she's they're both sitting down drinking coffee. And then Betty, out of nowhere, says, are you having an affair with Alan? Oh, shit. Mm. And Awkward. Candy's like, no. Wow, she denied it. And then she says, have you ever had an affair with Alan? Oh, OK. Like, cause yeah, it, it was over. And then Candy's like, she said, yeah, but that was a long time ago. Now, Betty, mm-hmm. according to Candy, says, okay, I'll be right back. She goes into the other room. Now, Candy's sitting there on the couch. It's like, what the fuck's going on? Now, this is what she's reliving in her hypnotherapy session. Yeah. She's sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden, Betty comes back in into the hallway and all she hears was this clink, clink. She puts an axe down on the floor, like Betty the big does? metal. Yeah, the metal handle. She's holding an axe and kind of clinks it down on the floor. And then Candy's like shocked. Like, well, uh, Betty, uh, you know, what's going on? Um, and Betty's like, you can't have him. He's mine. And then Candy's like, I... That was a long time ago. He's he's yours. I don't I don't want him. And then Betty says, "I'm pregnant again." Oh, and he's mine. You can't have him. Hmm. Candy repeats, "I don't want him, Betty. I don't want him." And then Betty breaks down because she's got all these problems stuff. She breaks down, starts crying. Candy goes over there, says, "It'll be okay," and she puts her arms around Betty. As soon as Candy puts her arms around Betty and touches her skin, Betty flinches and throws her hands off, pushes her in the chest, Mm. and Candy goes back and hits the floor. Now, when Candy's coming to, trying to get back out the floor, she sees a big axe coming towards her face. Oh, shit. Yeah. She dodges the axe. She doesn't get hit. And the axe sticks in the floor. She gets up, and there's a struggle. Hmm. Now, the, she's trying to, number one, get out of the house or get this damn axe away from Betty that has obviously went crazy, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Now, this is, all, this is all in the hypnotherapy session. She didn't know this before she went to hypnotherapy, mm. if you believe that. She went to hypnotherapy, and now she knows all, all this stuff. So, keep that in mind. They struggle with the axe. She hits Candy... In the toe, which her toe was cut, and the cops noticed that. Mm -hmm. And she also had all these other bruises. Uh, Candy was a lot smaller than Betty. Gets the upper hand and hits her once in the head. And it was like a pop. 
Ow. In her head, it was her skull cracking. But Betty, still screaming, you can't have him, stumbling around with a gaping hole in her head, runs at Candy again, and tries to get the axe to try to take the axe on her. Oh my goodness. And they're struggling again. Candy hits her again. Mm -hmm. Finally, the one that did it, Betty ran directly into the blade when Candy was coming down on her forehead, redoubling its force because Betty was going a forward motion. Mm -hmm. The axe was coming towards her that multiplies the force. Okay, it came directly down on the top of the forehead, which sunk her eye into her sinuses Ew. and helped her brain matter spew out of her oh, ears. Lovely. Yeah, so... Her ears? But even after that, she still wouldn't fall because her entire purpose was to tell Candy that she couldn't have her hmm. man. This is my man. I know I got seven holes in my face, but he's mine. It was like she was a fucking demon. She wasn't going down with shit. So Candy kept striking her. Uh, it just bothers me that that's the reaction of women. It's like, you can't have my man, mm-hmm. but like... They can both go fuck themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, Candy, she finally gets Betty on the floor and not moving as much, not trying to get up. And that's when she hits her over the head multiple times. And that's when her brain starts seeping out Ugh. of her cranial cap. And she only stopped at the point of literal exhaustion from swinging the axe on Betty. Almost severing her right arm completely off. Completely destroying her face. No open casket. Her face looked like freaking... Like, what do you call it? Uh, not ravioli, the other stuff. Chef Boyardee. Not Chef Boyardee. Manwich? No. Um, what's that stuff you eat for breakfast? SOS? No, not scrambled eggs. It's like uh, beef something. Uh, SOS? What? Chip, Cream chip beef? No. I oh, fucking can't remember. Anyway, all right. Yeah, it looks like ravioli and shit. Now, the hypnotherapist was Dr. Maurice Green. He told the lawyer, he was like, listen, this is the most insane case I've ever heard. I've ever dealt with this, this client. I've never dealt with anything like this. She has so much repressed memories. She's suffering from disassociative reaction. When she was swinging that axe down 41 times on Betty's face, the doctors claimed that she was going through disassociative amnesia. She literally blacked out. She went berserk and blacked out. That's why she kept hitting him. I mean, her fight and flight. She came in with an axe, right? Mm -hmm. So she was having dissociative amnesia, right? Yeah. So, like, what, what um, what did that ruling have on her case? Well, so she's in the courtroom, and her defense lawyer is actually really good. And he played the thing up where Candy was emotionless in the trial. Mm-hmm. She had no emotion whatsoever for just murdering someone with a fucking axe. A left to sign a soci- sociopath. She didn't, and or in fact, dissociative identity disorder. The, the lawyer actually commented, it "Was like Candy, can you please act like you care about this?" You know, everyone thinks you're a murderer. Mm-hmm. So she's sitting in the courtroom and 
they bring up this whole hypnotherapy stuff. So that's what the the prosecution was like. Listen, yeah, okay, she may have been out of her mind, but she left a crying baby to die in a crib. Yeah. And then she takes a fucking shower. Right. And does her laundry because she's got blood all over her. She washes her clothes and then goes back to Sunday school and pretends nothing happened. In fact, she still goes to the movie, The Empire Strikes Back, with the daughter, Alyssa, and she knows that her mom has been cut up and is lying in the house. And not only that, but Candy was there when Alan gets back from Minnesota and Candy was there to comfort Alyssa when Alan told the eight-year-old Alyssa that her mom is never coming back. And then Candy was like, is there anything I can do? If there's anything I can do, let me know. Honestly, that's the worst. She said that to everyone. Is there anything I can do? I feel so bad. Is there anything I can do? What are you trying to do? Replace her? Like, and she, the fact that she was keeping the daughter and pretending nothing happened. There's no way you forget chopping up someone. Mm -mm. 41 times with a fucking axe, you know, and then taking a shower and then taking her daughter to see the Empire Strikes Back. And then the next day telling that same girl that, oh, I'm here for you. Your mom's never coming back, let but me like let me know what I can do. All right. So let me read some of these newspapers. So the defendants, the defendants lawyers start the campaign of self-defense accused axe murderer. A murderess, Candace Montgomery, sobbed openly as her attorney swung a baseball bat over his head in a dramatic recreation, he says, demonstrates his client acted in self-defense. Here's what he did. He's like, Candy, you killed her lawyer. It's like, Candy, you killed her. You murdered Betty Gore. And she's like, yes. And she's emotionless. Yes, I murdered her. And he's like, all right, you killed her with an axe. Yes. Yes. Then he pick, the defense attorney picks up the axe and then he runs over to Candy. He's like, you took this axe? Like, almost like he's going to hit Candy. Like, you murdered her with this axe? Like, shaking mm-hmm. it. And then Candy freaks out. Like, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this whole show. And then they heard the, hypno, the hypnotherapy sessions and it was awful. And she was screaming, <laughs> Betty, please. Betty, no. <laughs> You know, just awful. Like, I don't want him. I don't want him, Betty. No. And she was going through like the motions of hitting her, like uh, 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 with the axe, mm-hmm. like, over and over. And the, all, the, all the jury heard this. It's like a crazy woman, but she was completely emotionless until her attorney got that axe, the same axe with the blood still on it. And it's like, did you kill her with this axe? And he runs over, and she's like. Ah! freaking out and everyone's just like holy shit this woman's fucking batshit yeah so I mean (laughs) it was probably a fucking sight to fucking see man (laughs) for real this was all over the fucking news huh yeah so how did it end alright this is Candy and her husband go to talkmurder.com to see a picture of Candy and her husband Pat the jury deliberates and they hear all this testimonial from the doctors and all this stuff. Anyway, they come back, the jury, every... I mean, the, the courtroom, there's lines waiting out. This is the biggest case 
in the nation. Mm-hmm. I mean, because think about it. An axe murderer, which you never see. Right. Not only an axe murderer, but a, a female axe a female, murderer. A female axe murderer of a elementary and Sunday school teacher mm. in a middle class family in the burbs. Huh. That doesn't fucking happen. Uh-uh. Ever. Right. right. And to the brutality of this... Where she actually like took a shower and the the chick's yeah, eye wasn't even there anymore. It was like weird. completely crazy. Yeah. Anyway, the jury comes back. Candace Montgomery, we find you acquitted. What? <laughs> she got completely you... off. No. <laughs> what? Yeah, she got completely off. Um, Are you kidding me? Yeah, she got what? completely off because they said that she wasn't in her right mind. I don't understand. I don't understand the insanity play. Let me see. Uh, neighbors, neighbors describe the murder scene. Neighbors of Betty Gore Wednesday detailed the bloody scene they found when they entered Betty Gore's unlocked residence. I saw a massive amount of smeared blood on the floor and an axe on the floor. I don't. I just don't get it, though. I don't get it. I don't get it when people <laughs> say that they like did things like that and they get away with it. She was acquitted. It. And Pat stayed with her, even though she admitted to another affair. What a dick. And Candy, it wasn't like, oh, I bumped into someone and it was just a fling. It was just like random. Like, she was looking for to have an affair. Like, that was her hobby. Right. Anyway, so she had more than one. They acquitted her. The town was outraged. Yeah. Yeah. I'm outraged. And Candy was like, everything's back to normal. I can go to the grocery store. And then Pat's like, no, you can't. We need to move. They moved to Atlanta. And she changed her name and stuff like that. And uh, she's around 70 now. But do you guys want to know what she does? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I found her snooping around. (laughs) Is she on Facebook? Miss Candace L. Wheeler. That's her maiden name. LPC. She is a licensed, licensed professional, professional counselor. <laughs> she is at 671 Lumpkin Campground Road, Suite 240, Dawsonville, Georgia. And her telephone number is 706-531-4929. So be sure to give her a call. And her description is a behavioral health and social service provider counselor. So she is a just, fucking bitch. I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand okay. how how people can get acquitted of a crime like Let that. Let me read some comments. All right. This is from her Yelp page. Once Yelp. a killer, always a killer, especially your best friend. I wouldn't leave my animal alone with her. Four out of five stars. Yeah. <laughs> These are all one out of one. <laughs> um, I hope she has sent every penny she has earned as a, quote, counselor to the poor motherless victims she created, who does she counsel? People who are li- are trying to get away with murder? Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Um, another one star. There are one stars. 40 blows with an axe. She murdered her lover's wife, Betty Gore, left her baby in the crib while Betty bled all over the utility room. Then she used Betty's shower to clean up, got away by using a whack defense of memories one star review, um, murdered friend or murdered my friend with an axe in the eighties and was acquitted on a sham psych defense that would be laughable today. I would not trust this woman with my psyche as I prefer my counsel to have not murdered anyone with an <laughs> axe. Um, let's see. I attended the same church where the Montgomery and Gore families attended. In fact, I was teaching in the vo- the vacation Bible school the very day this all occurred. 
I just happened to have a conversation with a neighbor today about why I no longer attend church, and it brought it all back to me. I looked online to see what was there, and I found this article that I'm reading. I knew all these people involved, although not close friends with them. The lawyer who defended Kenny Montgomery also attended my church, and I had his children in my class. The young pastor we had at the time got very involved in the whole situation, The aftermath was that the pastor and his wife later divorced, the attorney and his wife divorced, and later committed suicide. Hmm. I understand at the time of the murder that both couples had been attending the marriage encounter. We've been encountered. If you read this book, it's all like, oh, they have a flame group, and we've been encountered. Weekends through the church at the same time, and that's when things started between Candy and Alan, I was just too, it was just too much to see Candy come into church services on Sundays while the investigation and trial were going on. Mm-hmm. And I quit attending. Did y'all think that she was going to, um, I can't believe she got acquitted. Yeah. That's I'm ridiculous. sick of this. Yeah. She got acquitted. So immediately they moved down to Atlanta, Georgia, and then she changed her name. Are they still name. married? Huh? Are they still married? Yeah. I couldn't find anything on Pat, but I'm pretty sure they're still married. I mean, wow. I don't know. I honestly don't believe her. They made a movie about it. It's a good movie. I'll put it on talkmer.com. I'll put the link on there. What's it called? A Killing in a Small Town. It's about an hour and a half. It's on YouTube for free. It's a movie made in the 90s. It goes pretty line in line with the book. It's pretty good. Um, It's definitely worth watching hmm. to see like how like... I mean, it's pretty that. accurate. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Interesting. But I don't know. I I was just like really shocked that she actually got acquitted. Yeah. And of course, Alan didn't get charged. I mean, because he didn't even know that that was going on. It was all her. Yeah. But then again, like maybe she was acting in self defense. Hmm. Fuck, I don't know. Interesting. Um. Oh. Oh. One thing. So right after this happened, the local school kids came up, you know, like when you jump rope or hopscotch yeah, or yeah, yeah. poems or whatever. If you want to read that uh, at the bottom there, kind of in a little rhyming fashion. Candy Montgomery was a whore. <laughs> she screwed around with Alan Gore. Oh my God. When Daddy Gore <laughs> brought it up, Candy used an axe to cut her Oh my up. gosh. <laughs> Colin <laughs> County murders okay. And if you go to church and pray and don't worry adultery's cool if you teach Sunday school. Oh my goodness, that's like the Lizzie Borden took an axe <laughs> rhyme. Yeah. Um, um but much more graphic. So cool. But anyway, oh. hey, um this murder was brought to you by our Patreon member, Megan. Thank you so much. I I read the entire book. It was freaking amazing. It was a page turner. Go to talkmore.com to see the pictures of Candy and all her shenanigans, and I'll put that on the website. Wow. Well, thank you guys for listening to Talk Murder to me. As always, it's been a fun night for us, and we're going to go to bed now. Hopefully, no spins. I'm drunk. I didn't eat dinner tonight. I'm going to get fucked. Well, <laughs> not fucked. We will decide where to go then. <laughs> Jen is getting fucked tonight. <laughs> I mean, I mean, your your Christmas present's not so far oh away. God, no, I don't want yeah. it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. No. All I want to say about that is 
Hey, another public shout out to our Patreon subscriber and number one fan, Amelia. Julie. Oh, Julie. Oh, Julie. Julie, who um, who stood up for us and didn't and and stuck up for Jenna myself for someone who called us background noise. So, Julie, we love you. You guys hear that? Sounds like background noise. Fuck you, <laughs> Julie. Also, Julie, I don't have to tell you. Julie, send me an email. Tell me what story you want to hear. Because you have been with us since day one. Yeah. So hey, this goes out to a mil- This episode, the girls in the Amelia. background. The Excuse me. And we're just and the other John, Diana Ross, and we're just the Supremes. Fine. Guys, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Amelia, our biggest fan right now, <laughs> who would give us a five star rating if the woman in the background would just shut up for five minutes. Ugh. Which, which then we got three stars. <laughs> her her name on iTunes is like. We memorized it. You will forever be well, our you know favorite what, hater. You know what's crazy? Like she's such a hater that she made an iTunes account for this review. Her iTunes name was we, made like you know she made, made that for our, us. So thank you, Amelia, for going out of your way to make an iTunes account just to rate us. You are our biggest fan. We love you. Do not forget to join the Patreon page. It's Only a dollar a month. Dollar a month. Jen, why are you flipping me off? Because I don't like your attitude. Jen, you are a Christian. You I'm don't flip people off. I'm a Catholic and I'm allowed to express my views and I will express my need for forgiveness next time I go to confession. I love cherries that have booze in it. Okay. Let's order we... pizza now and get it out of the way. No, no, no. no. If we order pizza, Jen, one. No. I hate yeah, Domino. No, because... Domino sucks and Papa John sucks. It's got to be Pizza Hut. I think that was a dig at my accident the other day. <laughs> it was. <laughs> you know what, John? I don't wish this upon but my worst enemies. But I hope that you get a massive Jen, case of diarrhea. John, I did. I said it. I hope that you get diarrhea.